In Jesus' name, amen. This past week, our church lost a dear friend, a sister in Christ, one of our members, a woman named Ellen. Uh, Ellen had become a dear friend to me. We spent a lot of time together. And so as I've been thinking about her this week, missing her, one thing has, has kept on coming to mind for me. And that is that I don't think I've ever met someone who hungered and thirsted for God like Ellen did. She just couldn't get enough. Uh, she was here every Sunday for worship as, as long as she was feeling well enough. She was here multiple times throughout the week. She, she just couldn't get enough of, of God's word. She would come to just about any and every Bible study or small group that was offered. Uh, she would be here on Sunday mornings for our Bible study when we were hosting that. And then, and then she would head off later that afternoon to a small group that met in a home. And then she would be back on Monday for a group that got together over lunch. She, she just couldn't get enough. Uh, there was nothing that she loved more than simply being with other Christians uh, gathered around God's Word, just having conversation learning about our Savior and, and lifting up our prayers. She, she, again, she just soaked it in. And the, the first time that I came to see this in her was, was very shortly after I came to Living Christ to be pastor. Uh, I had been here maybe a few weeks when she came into my office and she told me, she didn't ask, she told me that we would be getting together every Thursday afternoon. And uh, I, I didn't quite know, I was still so new at the church, I didn't quite know if I had time for this. There were lots of other uh, people that I, I was called to serve and spend time with, uh, but Ellen was a hard lady to, to say no to. And she would always longed for a relationship with, with a pastor where, where they could talk and share and, and pray together and where she could come in and, and ask her questions. And she hadn't quite found something like that yet. And so here I was, new to the church, and this was her opportunity. And I'm sure glad that I didn't say no when she came in that day, because over the, the course of the next four and a half years, we spent most Thursday afternoons together, talking and praying, and talking about life's questions and laughing together, crying together, reading books with one another. Now, over the course of those Thursday afternoons, th there was a, a particular question, though, that kept on coming up from Ellen. She didn't quite put it in these words, but the question was, why am I here? They were questions of purpose in life. Uh, to, to put it how Ellen would have said it, she, she wanted to know what her next assignment was. Uh, she believed, and rightly so, I think that God had work for her to do. And she wanted to know what that was and, and where she was supposed to go and who she was supposed to serve and when it was going to happen and how it would all take place. For, for sometimes, her assignment was a, a woman that she had been connected with, that she would drive several times a week to dialysis. And that was uh, the way that God had called her to serve. Before that, she had played organ. Uh, for a church, a congregation, and God had blessed them through her playing. Uh, but then after those opportunities had, had gone away, she, she began to ask the question again, why am I here? What's my purpose? What's my next assignment? Seems to me that that's a pretty good question to ask ourselves. It's one that we ought to be asking ourselves. And in fact, what Ellen helped me realize is that if we're not asking ourselves those types of questions, questions of purpose, then I think something's off. I mean, if we are taking God's call on our life seriously as, as disciples and, and followers of Jesus, then we should be wondering, oh, okay, Lord, what's next? What's my purpose here? Why am I here? 
But, but you know, as, as I've reflected on that question in my own life, what, it seems to me that before we can ever answer why I'm here, we, we need to be able to understand and answer the question, who am I? Now, that might seem like a silly question to you, right? Like, like how could I not know who I am? It would take a pretty strong case of, of amnesia to forget my own identity. But the truth is, it happens all of the time. <laughs> we are constantly losing sight of who we are. And, and, and we're forgetting what makes us who we are, right? We forget sometimes that we are not just defined by the sum total of our failures or our successes. That we are not... Uh, defined by our careers. We forget that sometimes. We, we forget that, that we aren't just the names that other people call us or, or the titles that they ascribe to us. We forget our identity as, as God's children more often than I think we realize. And it's only until we realize who we are. It's only until we're, we're able to answer that question that we'll, that we'll ever be able to, to, answer, to answer the question, why am I here? That, that is we could put it this way. We need to know our identity before we understand our purpose in life. And, and in fact, I think, I think we actually have to take a few steps further back than that. If we're ever going to know why we're here, then we need to know who we are. And, and in order to know who we are, we need to know who Jesus is and why he is here. And in fact, understanding that is meant to be the focus of our lives. These are the foundational questions that I think take care of everything else. You see, once you know who Jesus is and, and why he came, then, then everything else falls in place. And, and when you know who Jesus is and why he came, then you know who you are in, in light of him. And then you're able to, to understand why you are here. But it all begins by focusing on Jesus, on who he is and why he came. And, and those are questions that I believe, the story of Jesus' baptism from Luke chapter 3, these are questions that, that are answered for us in the baptism. It's why each of the gospel readers, in their own unique way, some with much more detail than others, it's, it's why each of them make reference to it. Because this is a pivotal event, the baptism of, of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus, in a sense, it's his coronation as king. It's his ordination into to ministry. It's his coming out party where God is re revealing, pulling back the curtains and saying, here he is. I want you to see him in, in all of his, his glory. I want you to understand why he came. I mean, I mean even in Luke's gospel that we're reading from today, we've, we've met Jesus already as a baby and as a boy, but... But now we are understanding even more fully who he is and why he's here. It's the baptism of Jesus that, that tells us that Jesus is the anointed, the baptized, the, the Holy Spirit-filled, beloved Son of God. And it will quickly become evident that he has come to heal and make whole, to redeem and rescue, to forgive and to raise and to bring life everlasting the baptism of Jesus. It, it shows us who he is and why he came. And we need those questions answered. We need the baptism of Jesus so that we can begin to answer the other questions of who we are and why we're here. But focusing on Jesus and who he is and why he's here, that's, those are questions that John the Baptist, who we also read about in Luke chapter 3, those are questions that he knew. He got it. I think better than most. Uh, John the Baptist had a very clear understanding of who Jesus was and why he had uh, come. And that became evident in our reading for today, right? There's this moment where the crowds, crowds of people are flocking in droves out to, to, to be baptized by John. He's got quite the following. 
And, and it would have been tempting, right, to, to kind of uh, puff out your chest and to pat yourself on, on, to, on the back and to think more highly of yourself than, than he should have. But John doesn't do that. In fact, there's this one moment in the story we read about where, where the crowds are beginning to wonder if maybe, maybe John is the Messiah. Maybe he's the one they've been waiting for. Maybe he's God's anointed one. Maybe he's the king who has come to, to rescue and redeem the people. Maybe he is everything that they need. And again, it would have been easy for, for John to, to grab a hold of that power and to receive their praise. But he knows, he knows he's not the Messiah. He knows that's not why he has come to redeem and rescue his people. And he, he's able to, to make sense out of that because, because he first knows who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is that son of God. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the one that they've been waiting for and, and hoping for. And, and Jesus is the one who has come to redeem and rescue. It's only because he understands first Jesus that he's able to make sense out of his own identity and his own purpose. You know, that's something that I think our sister Ellen got too. Ellen knew who Jesus was. She understood why he came, which meant that she knew who she was and, and what her purpose was. Uh, like John, she knew that, that she was not called to be the savior of the world. <laughs> that was Jesus' job. But she was God's beloved child. And she was, like John, called to point people to Jesus, to share his good news and to reflect his love. Ellen got that, like John did, like I hope we all do. But you know, in our, in our conversations together, Ellen, she continued to struggle with the particulars, as I think we all do. I mean, she wanted to know who and where and, and when and, and how God would have her serve. And, and don't want, we want the same, right? We know that, that it's our purpose to share God's love and to reflect his heart, but we would share like a sign from heaven or a voice coming down telling us where to go to and, and who will be there waiting and, and when we're to get there and how we're, we're to serve. And, and it's those specifics that, that Ellen continued to, to struggle with, and, and we talked through some of those things what I tried to remind Ellen of and what I tried to remind myself of is that, is that the particulars aren't all that important. Right? When you focus your life on Jesus, when you understand who he is and why he came, and then when you begin to see your life in light of that, when you know, like John did, that you are a beloved child of God, and you're not called to be the savior of the world, you're simply sent out to share his love and, and reflect his heart, then, then the particulars tend to take care of themselves. Or better said, God takes care of those particulars. He brings us to where we need to be, when we need to be there, serving the people that we're called to serve in the ways that he would have us serve them. And, and so instead of focusing on all that, we're simply called to focus on Jesus. Now, Ellen's other struggle, which I think is, again, common to many of us, is as she considered her, her purpose in life, she wasn't always able to see how God was fulfilling that purpose. She, she wondered sometimes, why isn't God working through me? In fact, I can remember one day when she came into my office uh, with, with some of these worries, and I just had to laugh. <laughs> because, you see, uh, you see, recently, uh, Ellen had moved into a, a new facility. Uh, she... she she had moved away from her apartment and was living in a senior living community. And it was a new place full of new people. And she was struggling 
to, to find those assignments there. She wasn't sure what God had in store for her. And, and she was a, a little saddened and disappointed because in this new home, there was no organized Christian community, right? There was, there was no Bible study for her to attend to. There was no worship service throughout the week. There was no chaplain on staff or pastor who came to make visits. You know, all the things that she loved most about life. None of that was there. And, and yet she had taken it upon herself after a lot of thought and prayer. We talked this through. She had taken upon herself to start this little group. And every Sunday afternoon or, or, or evening, she would get together these Christians. She invited the whole building to come on out. And together they would sing songs and, and they would pray. And she would share some scripture and, and she would give a lesson. And a few times she invited me to come to, to lead that time and, and to share in, in the Lord's Supper with the people there. And, and she was doing this amazing thing, giving the people there this amazing gift. There were people there who, who were starving for the word of God like she was. And she was providing for them this opportunity. And I had to say, Ellen... Don't you see it? God is working through you. He's given you an assignment and he's, and he's fulfilling it through your hands and your feet and, and your mouth. And, and the truth is that sometimes we're not able to see it for ourselves. And, and, and what we need is for someone else, a Christian brother or sister, to come alongside of us and, and to say, dear friend, God is working through you. What we need is, is to point that out in the people around us. Because sometimes they have a hard time seeing it too. That's what I tried to do with Ellen. I tried to remind her that she was giving an amazing gift to the people there where she lived. The gift of an hour or two spent focusing on Jesus. There's no greater gift than that. In fact, that's how our entire lives are meant to be. We are meant to live focusing our hearts and our minds, our ears and our eyes and our faith on Jesus. And it is good to wonder, why am I here? It's important for us to, to understand, rightly understand who we are. But that will only ever happen when we focus on who Jesus is, the beloved Son of God and our Savior, and why he came to rescue and redeem and save. Dear friends, I pray that you would focus your life and your faith on him, and he will take care of the rest. In Jesus' name.